0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition. I believe I've used exciting as my opening adjective in the past, so I'm going to try a different one. Welcome to another saucy edition. Do we like saucy? How do we feel about saucy? Well, guess what? We're not workshopping this. We're going right into the 22nd episode of Podcast Dark Elevation. The only podcast. That takes a look deep into dark and dark elevation to tell you what it means for the rest of the world of wrestling. As always, I am your host, Dirk Elevation, bringing you some some real real stuff. Okay, we're gonna talk we're gonna talk real in this episode, and by real I mean I'm really gonna tell you what happened in this episode of dark and dark elevation. I'm not gonna. Sugarcoat it, but also uh, there's not. What do I have to sugarcoat? I'm just gonna tell you what happened. I don't have. I don't have to do this uh, canceled comedian thing where oh, I'm giving you the real truth about things, and then the truth is just uh, stuff th- that I'm trying to say to incite a hate crime. No, I'm not doing anything like that. This is just straightforward. Me telling you what happened, and I'm gonna give you some subjective analysis of it too. We understand how podcasts work, right? We understand how all of this works. I'm not going to spend too long on it. But we are going to spend a little longer than usual maybe on this episode because we have three bonus uh, matches to talk about. Because before the live Rampage on Friday, we got a little tasty morsel of three of the dark matches from Columbus, Ohio, from the previous Dynamite we had. I'm gonna just go through them because most of them had to do with what was gonna happen on Rampage. But we had a Hikaru Shida defeating Emi Sakura in five minutes and forty seconds. That was fun. Good to see Shida getting what is what is her biggest showing since coming back to the U.S. Uh, and she's leaving again soon for some reason. But I don't. I, I mean, not for some reason. It's for like TJPW or or something like that. Uh, so, it's it's a real reason, but I don't know how long that's going to be or if that justifies her keeping her off TV, but they're certainly doing it. Anyway, it was fun to see her beat Emi Sakura. It was fun to give both her and Emi Sakura something to do that, w- that seemed interesting. Uh, it was also the only of these three matches that did not directly deal with something that was happening on Rampage. So... Does that mean they just wanted to have another women's match on this special elevation, and they chose the one that seemed like the most premier match? That seems likely, but it could mean that we're setting something up. I hope so. I hope we see Sheet on TV soon. Hard to say, but anyway, we move on to Mance Warner defeating uh, Serpentico in 3 minutes and 57 seconds. So, Serpentico lasted a little longer than you thought you might have thought that he would in this match. And for that reason I, I I I don't I don't know where I want to go with this cuz I don't want to get into any of this um Mance warner discourse about whether or not he was worthy to face John Moxley on Friday. First of all, nobody's worthy of anything. It's all it's all a little bit pretend if you haven't figured that out. So there's so we can have matches any time. It also fits with John Moxley's character that he would want to face anybody anytime. It also is cool, kind of, that Mance Warner won the Battle Royal at Ric Flair's last match. And because of that, he got this match, even though they were under no obligation to give him that match. So all of that's cool. I also, just to put another layer on this cake, don't really care that much about Mance Warner. I've seen him a few times and Beyond. My, my lasting memory of him was that we were supposed to get a Halloween thumbtack match between Nick Gage and Shotzi Blackheart. And uh, best of my understanding, WWE was like, the hell you were doing this before you report to the Performance Center. Uh, because then she suddenly wasn't on that show. And then a few months later, she was on NXT. So that's my reading of the situation. But the point is the replacement for Shotzi was Mance Warner, and for me he's never been able to shake that sort of stand in uh, thing. that's not fair to him, certainly not. But I've just always just thought of him as like just like a a legitimate guy and always a legitimate threat. But like just he, he, he just he he just is a warm body uh, and a, a, a warm body that is uh is legitimate. I don't I don't want to because he he's earned his place. I'm not going to say that, anything, but I've just not had much of an opinion on him. And I continued to do that now. Even though he had a really a really solid match. I I got nothing bad to say about Mans Warner and I try not to say bad about anybody on this podcast. If I can avoid it and they're not British. So anyway, good for Mance Warner. I'm glad that he's here. If he goes away for a while, I'm most okay with that. And then if he shows up again, the more power to him, uh, he should be in the periphery of AEW to say the least. I I also think he has some sort of a agreement with A or something like that. I don't know anything about that. Serpentico, always fun. And then Josh Woods and Tony Nese defeated Damian Chambers and Dean Alexander in two minutes and fifty-two seconds. And then they lost in what was a really good match on Rampage. Who? All right, whatever. We're moving on. I don't. I'm not gonna pontificate. About those guys. Then we get to the other matches from that same night. But those came out on Monday night. As part of Dark Elevation Number 75. We open with Ruby Soho and Sky Blue. Defeating Megan Myers and Nikki Victory. This was really good. Ruby Soho is at her best when she's leading a tag match a lot of times. I think having Sky Blue with her, it doesn't necessarily advance the story uh, that is going on between Ruby Soho and Taiji. Jai, but it does give some more uh, experience to her and Sky Blue as a tag team if they do go that route, which it seems like they might because Anna Jay beat up Sky Blue last time, I want to say that's what happened. Maybe Tai Conti beat up Sky Blue. Who can say for certain, but Ruby Soho and Sky Blue as a tag team, it's not as cool as my idea that it would be Diamante, but I can't blame people for just not having ideas that are cool as mine. Other ideas are legitimate, even if they're not as cool. Meg Meg Myers actually really impressed me a lot. I, I liked the little bit that we saw of her, the three minutes and 11 seconds, 311, uh, speaking of 311 amber is the color of her energy megan myers i liked the energy of of her she's quick and nikki victory i remember less about uh but you're really setting yourself up for some losses with a name like nikki victory oh my uh, it, that stands out like a store of thumb but i do like the, the cadence of nikki victory so I'm, I'm a little wishy-washy on this episode, it seems like. I, I have a lot of critiques, and then I'm walking them back. Is it possibly that I'm doing it because none of my critiques actually matter, and I'm just trying to see how anyone else would think about things? No, I'm just really wishy-washy. Parker Boudreaux with Arya Davari defeats Casey Carrington in a minute and 37 seconds. Uh, Casey Carrington, you could have told me, it was Cole Carter. Uh, they're just... Two very nondescript brunette men uh, who have uh, a lot of kuh noises in their names. Parker Boudreaux. My question about Parker Boudreaux, this is an interesting, if you ask me, an interesting ponderance, which is, would I be more or less into Parker Boudreaux if I had never heard of Brock Lesnar, because that's all he ever gets compared to, including the last episode of this show, and I don't know if that has created a cap for him that I just think of him as a par- Brock clone, or if that has created sort of a floor for him, where I'm like, oh hell yeah, Brock clone, let's go. I don't know, but I enjoyed watching him beat the heck out of uh, Casey Carrington. Athena defeats Queen Amanada in 2 minutes and 59 seconds. And this was cool. Queen Amanada, I think, is a really good hand in the women's division. I like seeing her around. She's very recognizable. I don't know if she always keeps to the queen gimmick the way you might expect. I, I don't know what she thinks about when she thinks about a queen. To me, I mean, she, she has the, um, the, she had a, a little sort of bandana coming off of her, her shorts that had a, a sort of the African colors on it is what the best I can, uh, say uh, of what the, I think like the Pan-African flag, I could be wrong, but so to me, when I think like African queen, I do not think, uh, 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 Catherine Hepburn, and Humphrey Bogart Uh, I have never seen that movie Uh, a movie I have seen is Coming to America and like the mom in that movie is what I think of and Queen uh, Aminata is a little fun loving I think for somebody if she's trying to be an African queen and not the boat but her in ring work is very competent I will say that and she helped I mean it's hard to say if if she helped Athena look good or Athena helped her look good. I would have to err on the side of Athena makes everybody look good all the time. Yeah, this was good. This was honestly too short because Athena just lays it in there. Athena's offense looks too good for 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 this to go this long and and not it should have been. It should either be over in one second, like in one minute, or keep going. Like there, there's one really good part of this match where Athena just drop kicks her hard into the barricade, and then because that's like a minute or so into the match, Queen Aminata has to get her shots in before uh, Athena can get the comeback. It's a very shortened version of it, but. For that not to have been the end, the, the, how brutally Queen Aminata got smacked around there, like it sh- it could have been that right into the O face, uh, and and whereas like if if Athena did like less brutal moves outside the ring and then threw her back in and then Queen Aminata started to have a little bit of a comeback, that would have also been more believable. But just the level at which Athena kicks ass. It needs to be showcased in a longer match than 3 minutes and 11 seconds. But I got to see a little bit of thing And when she points to the rope like she's going to do the O-Face, the crowd is really into that. That's one of the best finishers in all of AEW, in all of wrestling. And and it and it looks like it hurts her less the way that she does it now compared to the, the eclipse from eight uh from WWE. So got nothing but good things to say about about that nice little move. Then we had the baddies, Kiara Hogan and Layla Gray defeat Alice Crowley and Freya States in two minutes. Um this one was not as strong, I think. Kira Hogan is a very good hand, as I've said. She does a lot, but I don't think she commands a tag team match as the ring general in quite the same way that somebody like Ruby Soho does. So when she has three lesser, less, less experienced dance partners, I'm assuming is the, which is the case for all of these. Um. It yeah. It just it it's just a little bit more, uh, discombobulated. I also don't know if, uh, Freya States, like Freya, I think Freya States is the one who's very large, and Mark Henry, who I thought in general was pretty good on this dark elevation, uh, just said, oh, that woman is very tall, as if he didn't have a sheet in front of him telling him which one to say. Uh... So that that was a little bit of a disappointment. But I would have rather seen Freya... State I, I always wonder how they decide these matches. But I would have rather seen Freya States fighting like Athena or fighting uh, Ruby Soho, as I say, always works really well with opponents that are larger than her. The baddies, you know, they're, they're not like a power move duo. They're not much of a duo, which I thought was pretty good how they showcased that they weren't on the same page. Uh, Kira Hogan and the intern baddie, mm. but yeah, th- this is this is not their best showing, but it but it helps to establish the baddies as a tag team, and that again, sometimes with the women's division, you have to look for little silver linings like that. Anything that creates a foundation, not not the foundation, because uh, we, uh, Jonathan Gresham, we don't know what's happening with him. I don't think he's going to be around. So that foundation is gone. But we can have the lady foundation, and I don't mean Jonathan Gresham's wife, Jordan Grace. Though, if she ever became a free agent, that would be a much a must sign for AEW. I don't mean anybody related to an actual foundation. I mean a metaphorical foundation, which the tag team, also, the stable also is, but... You know, I want I want things to to have some consistency for the women's division. Damn it. I don't have to make all of these ways of saying that. Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver defeat Lord Crew and Tug Cooper in 2 minutes and 13 seconds. Reynolds has the beard now. He's looking a little bit like Edge. I, I would be... I would be, uh... Never forgiven... If I did not shout out friend of the podcast, Rick Canavan, who made the point to me that maybe the, the beard means that Reynolds is turning heel soon, I would certainly be in favor of that. I am in favor of whatever happens to move on from the Dark Order. With all due respect to all of them, there's not much left for them to do. I would also like to see uh, Silver and Reynolds just give a little bit of variation on that closing set of moves that they end the match with. Because it looks really good every time. And it's very obviously extremely practiced. But, I maybe this is just me. I've seen it so many times that I'm like, D- do a variation. Do a variation. But I can't do the moves that they do, so what the hell am I talking about? Am I pretending like I can do the non-varied version. The Lucha Bros. So the Lucha Bros defeat the Wingmen, Peter Avalon and Ryan Nemeth in 4 minutes and 50 seconds. This is the type of match that I think is... We talk about the many uses of, of dark and dark elevation. This is the perfect type of dark elevation match... For a crowd that is not going to get a rampage. Because that is a quality match. Or at least a very quality tag team in the Lucha Brothers that you get to see. They do some fun stuff as they always do. At the end, it helps advance the storyline with... uh, uh, Los Ingobernales. The Ungovernables. They're helping to continue that storyline because they come out at the end. But yeah. That's all that's all there is to say. Overall good matches between these two elevations. Some quality stuff for this crowd that is not getting a rampage. And we helped advance a few things. Maybe we'll see. Let's see what even rolls over into Dark, coming up next. Alright, first up on Dark, number 156, we had Isaiah Bronner, James Alexander, Braden Lee, and Sam Moore versus Private Party and The Butcher and The Blade. So, I don't know what the plan is with the Entrade Family Order, They seem to be very excluded from Andrade's storylines and yet at the same time have still decided to stick together. I hope we see something with this following the probable win by uh, Andrade and Rush uh, tomorrow against the Lucha Bros. I I assume they're going to win. They need a big win. So I see and, and the Lucha Brothers don't need it. So I assume after this feud is blown off, they will do away with the former AFO and they'll be like, to hell with you, uh, private party, we're kicking you out and then they'll fight them and they'll be like, to hell with you, Butcher and the Blade, we're kicking you out and then we'll fight them and then maybe they'll fight uh, Jora Joel and Angelico Helico couldn't remember George Joel's name for there for a second. That's unfair. He's very good. He's 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 I'm not going to talk about like most underrated people on the roster, but you got to feel like George Joel's up there, right? Then after that, we had some other matches. I do not have them in order here, so I'm just going to do my best. Heather Reckless and Jocelyn Navarro Versus Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose, Yeah, they sure did get their ass kicked. Heather Reckless and Jocelyn Navarro, and I've I've said before that I like Heather Reckless. A lot of people on Twitter seem to like Jocelyn Navarro, so I hope to see both of them around more. But they did not have very stand very much of a chance here. They got squashed, as one might have expected. But that's not the story of this match. The story of this match is that after it was over, Vicky Guerrero came into the ring and cut a promo, and ooh, was it a stinker. Oh, did it stink. It was a bad promo. She seemed unsure of what she was going to say. She was stepping on her dress, getting into the ring. Something happened. Somebody... Chirped something from the front row in the middle of it, and and Nyla Rose went uh, through the ropes to yell something back at them. We can only speculate what they were yelling, and it's there's no way it was something good. Just, just not good. Oh oh, here's another thing about it. Vicky did the Webster's dictionary defines a problem as the worst line from any, spe- is nobody looking over any of this before it goes out on the air, onto YouTube, onto, to be recorded for YouTube, oh, this was a stinker, at the end she said that the name of this tag team is Beast of Burdens, which I think is like a, she slipped up what was supposed to be like an Attorney's General type of thing, where it's Beasts of Burden, but I don't see what was the issue with, what was the last, the Vicious Vixens, could have continued to be the name, they didn't need a rebrand, and they don't need Vicky to lead this if this is what Vicky is going to be used for. It's not... It is putting a ceiling on these very good competitors, on Nyla Rose and and Marina Shafir, who have both, I think, worked really hard in the last couple of months to improve their game, to be a, a better part of this roster. And... Uh, Just if Vicky is just going to go out there and just lay an egg like that, just like real clunkers that they're not then she's not helping them. She's not. And I have nothing. I I've always thought Vicky seemed very nice in interviews. She seems like a really great, great person. It's nothing about her. It's just maybe somebody needs to write these. I don't know. But at this point, she I would prefer she just gets cut loose from this tag team so that they can do something better and more serious. We had, what else? Dark Order's Evil Uno and Ten versus the Wingmen's Pretty Peter Avalon and J.D. Drake. Pretty Peter joining that exclusive club that he is already a member of. Of people who have lost twice in a week in the back to back dark elevations and darks. But I don't know if anyone has done it the way that Pretty Peter has done it, where he did it as a tag team both times with two different partners. So it really does make it seem like, hey, you're the one causing the losses here, Peter. I don't know. Chris Statlander versus Sierra. Chris Statlander rules. Really, really hoping she did not get injured. There were a lot of reports that she got injured watching the match. Obviously, they went to a different finish than what they were planning. Uh, It would be a real setback for this women's division to lose Chris Statlander, one of the most, maybe the most over member of the division, if not definitely up there. And without any real help in terms of the building of the division, she just goes out there and has kick-ass matches, and she gives legitimacy to the division. And I hope that she does that again. I hope there's more kick-ass matches that she goes out there and does. Rohit Raju and Ren Jones versus The Best Friends featuring Dan Danhausen Dan Housen makes an appearance. Taz references Dan Housen's teeth. I believe that's the first real reference to Dan Housen's Jar of Teeth that we have heard on AEW. So maybe that's a sign that they're on the way. By the way, I know I don't usually do any research for this, but I figured out using Taz and Excalibur's commenting on the Mets playing during the broadcast that this was recorded live or at least around the time of the of the actual tapings on Friday, uh, because that's when the Mets were down by four in the first inning. So, and it looks like since that episode, the Mets have not lost. I I I'm gonna research this, which is is fine because it's not it's not research about about wrestling. It's just research of. Well, they're up right now as I'm recording this. Yep, they have not lost since Friday. So, thanks Excalibur because you have reverse cursed the Mets by making fun of them on on this dark taping. The Mets have not lost since then. So, thanks Excalibur. Great great work. And uh, yeah, Rohi Raju Still seems like they they have an a. They have an investment in him, which makes me happy about Ren Jones, who I don't know if they have an, an investment in him, but it is good to see him. We've said it in the past that we like him. We think that he's. I'm doing the royal we. This podcast is pro Ren Jones. That's just that's just our line that we're taking. We are. We are going to wave that Ren Jones flag and say, we want to see more of him. He's muscular and he does good moves and he has a good facial expressions. Bring back Ren-, Ren Jones. I would like to see Ren Jones. It's been a while since we've really seen somebody build up from dark. And if Ren Jones could just keep getting his ass kicked a bit and then eventually get a win. Maybe against like, I don't know... Ryan Namath. That that would make me happy. But yes, we're going to continue to root for Ren Jones. <sighs> what else do we have here? Ruby Soho and Athena and Hakar Oshida defeated Serena Deeb and Leva Bates and Emmy Sakura. Just a real hodgepodge of women here. I don't know what it's leading to. I don't know why Leva Bates... Was somebody unavailable that Leva Bates was wrestling this match all due respect to Leva bates but i don't know what she's here for at this point other than to have us not take for granted that the women's division has actually grown since the beginning where we'll be like oh nothing's changed the women's division hasn't done anything and then leva bates will come out and be like all right well at least leva bates is not one of the top women's wrestlers in the company any longer so we have that to be excited about that's, again, I don't want to be mean to anybody, but she, yeah, she's not as good as anybody else in this match. And, uh, anyway, Shikita get uh, Shikita Hikaru Shida gets the win, gets the f- pin. And, yeah, there was some good stuff in here. They teased Deeb Shida, it, there wasn't really much of it, though. I, I think that's for the best. They don't. If they're going to face off again, it should not be in a six woman tag on dark with no build. They should mostly be staying away from each other. But hey, you know, fun stuff. Anytime, with what with everything I'm saying about about Oliva Bates, five of the six women in this match are terrific, and for that reason it was fine it was a good match it was, it was nothing special but it was it, it gave sometimes i just want people to be seen and in this is one of those cases you were seen ruby soho athena hikaru shida serena deeb Emi sakura and i guess liva bates as well you are all seen and you are valid you are all valid I know they were all listening to this on a, on a, on a headset that splits six ways. All of them were listening for me to tell them that they're valid. And I'm glad I did because I don't think they would listen to the next episode and stop listening on a six way headset. You should listen on your own devices. So I get more credit for more listens Oh my gosh, maybe that. Maybe that's... What if this podcast is actually really popular, but people are just listening to it in a st- sold-out stadium, being blasted through somebody's Spotify, and I'm getting no acknowledgement that it's this popular because I'm only getting that read as one listen. It could happen. You can't tell me that that's not the case. Sonny Kiss, Zach Clayton, and Xavier Walker... Versus the Trustbusters, Aria Divari, Slim J, and Parker Boudreaux. This was alright. I was at first very appalled by this match. What is Sonny Kiss doing with these enhancement talents? Zach Clayton, Xavier Walker, these end-of-the-alphabet MFers. Sonny Kiss deserves better. We haven't seen Sonny Kiss in a minute. We love Sonny Kiss. The, the live crowds always like Sonny Kiss. And so I thought this was... And to lose to these newer goofuses, that was that was, that seemed not cool to me. But then, first of all, Zach Clayton and Xavier Walker are both very large, which doesn't matter, but it, it kind of made them look like a more formidable tag team. And then Sonny Kiss, at the end, just sort of left them to rot. And it seems like... Sunny Kiss could be the fourth trustbuster and i love that for Sunny. She was looking great tonight. She got in when she was in the ring, great stuff. Very femme outfit. I you know, i i love it when Sunny embraces her queerness and and so it would be trustbusters now be Ari Davari, Slim Jay... Parker Boudreaux, and Sonny Kiss. It's weird, but I'm not against it. I think Ari Divari is slowly becoming, unfortunately, the least interesting member of his own tag team, if that's the case. I think I put Slim J just a little bit above him cause, just because he's so weird, I'm, and I've never seen him until recently. I could also deal with just Parker Boudreaux and Sonny Kiss. What a weird combo that would be. You'd love it, though. I would watch... Parker Boudreau and Sonny Kiss as a tag team? I would have loved that. But it seems like for the time being they will have Ari Divari and and Slim J as well. We have Jericho Appreciation Society's Anna J A S versus Megan Myers. Hey, Megan Myers is back. We liked her. We enjoyed her. She didn't do as well in this one. This was kind of her to get Beat Around a Bit by Anna J.A.S., which is a funny little sports entertainment thing for somebody's name to get changed into some clunky way, and you're just supposed to refer to them as that every time. Great move. But it got me thinking, is Jericho Appreciation Society, is the sports entertainer gimmick as much fun now that Vince McMahon was uh, sort of duct-taped and thrown into a river? Does... does Making, in the age of Triple H running WWE, does it hit the same way to be making fun of sports entertainers? I don't know. I don't think it does right now, but it could easily come back. It, there's just a, like, a lot of high sentiment right now about WWE, which makes it hit not as hard when you're making fun of sports entertaining, but give it a little while. It'll come back. They called it... They called. They said that uh, Ezekiel was brought to a local medical facility on Raw this week, which is just a real sign that things are not changing that much. We're going to continue to get very silly stuff like that. And for that reason, just give it a bit, and the sports entertainment stuff will get real funny again. But it is uh, yeah, local local medical facility. Like, did you... (laughs) They just brought a man on a stretcher to a podiatrist's office. Oh, we were told to bring him to a local medical facility. They they do medicine here. And then finally, the workhorseman, Anthony Henry versus... Workhorseman's Anthony Henry. He's not all of them. He is but one. And he faced off against Orange Cassidy. And another example of, hey, this crowd for this show they deserve an orange cassidy match and a, and a good one at that and this had this had some really fun elements it had the regular orange cassidy stuff and also a little bit of uh, uh you know Anthony Henry, JD Drake, they got they got to show off their style. They're two particularly serious guys and when people who are very serious face Orange Cassidy Oftentimes, that gives him the most, you know, sort of Bugs Bunny qualities. So, I had fun with that. So, I guess if we're going to sum up this week's Dark and Dark Elevation. There's some good, fun stuff. I think a lot of it is skippable. But if you like any of these wrestlers, or if you want to like a new wrestler that you haven't seen much of like Ren Jones or Megan Myers. Check this stuff out. This is this gets, we're finishing under for 40 minutes, which makes me feel like I have not riffed enough. I've got a little too serious on this episode. I cannot keep recording these podcasts at night. They're just I I'm just too drained. I don't have anything funny to say. But next week we'll go back to me recording during the day, which gives a little more a little more pep to my words, a little more zip. We will next week's podcast will be spiced up with Zatarans. And that's a Zatarans guarantee. Well, until next time, please rate this podcast four stars. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what? Rate this four stars if if that's how all you think it's worth. Be honest. But if you also think if you think it's five stars. Which you can also, you should be rating on a scale of four to five stars. If you think it's a zero, rate it a four. If you think it's anything above zero, rate it a five. And also uh, follow us on Twitter at Dark Elevation. Tell your friends about this. Complain to the internet world that they're not paying close enough attention to Dirk Elevation. To old Dirk's ramblings. And uh until until that happens I've had a lot of fun with all of you and I hope you have had just as much fun listening to this and that you enjoy the upcoming dynamite All right get out of here now go 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 talk to a girl you nerd